You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Matt Baxendale. Buckeyes number two in the initial college football playoff rankings of 2022, my friend. Um, your thoughts? I wasn't sure if that'd be two or three. It had to be one of the two, and, and they are number two. Your thoughts? I'm surprised Tennessee is number one. It's amazing how much currency you get for beating Alabama. I mean, like... They had a Big 12 circa 2004 game against Bama, who, you know, doesn't look like the Bama of old, to say the least. And I guess, I don't know, if Ohio State had beaten Penn State by an extra touchdown, would they have been one? I, I think this is the biggest surprise of all this to me, I think, is that Michigan isn't in the top four. I was really surprised about that. But for Ohio State, the only thing that really matters out of all this is, is that we're number two and we went out, we're in. We knew that anyways. It's all semantics at that point to me. So you touched on this. So Tennessee number one, Michigan is fifth, Alabama is sixth. So you go Tennessee one, Ohio State two. You go Georgia three. Um, who am I leaving out here? Um, Clemson. Clemson four, and then Michigan five. So any surprises there? Well, Clemson they suck, but I mean that to be glib about it, right? But Michigan's only fifth because the first month of their schedule was a complete farce. That's the only reason they're there. I think Clemson, if you watch them play, they're, they are not on par with Michigan. Michigan would absolutely bludgeon them into submission. So I, I think that this is a byproduct of just simply strength of schedule. I think the bottom line is they looked at both of them and they said, okay, we got two undefeated teams here. One has a better strength of schedule than the other. Um, and I think the other thing, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave, I'm always a conspiracy theorist when it comes to this playoff committee, right? I think they looked at it and said, if we start with two SEC and two Big Ten teams, it's going to look bad. And then when those teams lose, they're going to say, well, I lost to a top four team. Why should I get dropped out? So I think they're trying to say, yes, we want another team outside of the two big leagues in the top group since they have a viable team in Clemson that not that long ago was in a championship game. It seems like the easy political decision. It makes it easier to move these guys around when somebody may or may not win or lose because Tennessee plays Georgia this week and Ohio State plays Michigan in a couple weeks. So I don't, I don't think they want to back themselves into a corner where they're like, what happens if uh, Georgia beats Tennessee and Tennessee drops only to fourth and Clemson doesn't get in? What happens if Michigan is at number one and Ohio State's at number two, right? They, they're trying to set it up so that these matchups don't just result in two SEC and two Big Ten teams, even though that might be the best matchup based on actual talent. 
That's my conspiracy theory, Dave. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but to me, that's how I see it. As you were saying that, it feels like there might be something to that. I don't know if they got that deep with it. I really think Michigan's non-conference schedule is the biggest factor here. It, it Literally, we could say it was bad. It was the worst non-conference schedule in college football this year, Bax. Number one Last place. out of 131. Right, 131 yeah. in college football. <laughs> Michigan had the 131st um, <laughs> hardest schedule, so the first easiest schedule in all of college football. Um, in the non-conference year. portion, yep. yep. And, you know, and a lot of those wins that they end up looking good at, the final score, I mean, Indiana, what they beat them 31 to 10, but it was yeah. tied 10 all at halftime. They were tied against Indiana at halftime. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been other games where, like, it's they've been shaky. Maryland, uh, if that ball doesn't bounce off that dude's face mask, mask to, Maryland should and, have beat them. Maryland was the better team that day. They, the one game all year I've been impressed with Michigan was the Penn State game, just to be honest. Yeah. Like, they, they, they beat Penn State up a little bit better than Ohio State did. And even though they were tied at halftime in that game, that was an utter fluke. Michigan had kicked the butts of Penn State up and down the field um, in the first half. That's the only game all year I've looked at Michigan on. Wow. Okay. Maybe we have something here. Rest of them, like, horrible non-conference schedule, mediocre performance against bad Big Ten teams. All right. You mentioned it. So, um, Tennessee at Georgia on Saturday. Who you got? Well – this seems like it's UT's year, doesn't it? Like, you can do so much analysis. It's like it's Ohio State's year, doesn't it? No. Okay. Yeah, it certainly does feel like it's Ohio State's year. But, like, you, you can do so much analysis in college football. At the end of the day, it's an emotional sport played by young people, right? How many times has Tennessee beat Georgia in the last 15 years? You can count it on, like, two fingers. It's, it's not many. And this just feels like the year where UT has the quarterback, right? You know, look at the NFL. The teams that have the quarterbacks are the ones that are – the better teams, right? Uh, UT has Hendon Hooker, and he's the best quarterback in the SEC this year. So Georgia's lost like an entire NFL roster since last year's team. They've scuttled through a number of wins this year. I mean, they couldn't pull away from Kent State, for heaven's sake. I think Tennessee's going to win this game. Like, I really do. And I'm picking them. I'm picking the Vols. I lived in Atlanta for five years. I know many I know dog fans. I know I'm picking UT. And I know damn well how much of a joke UT has been for so long because I know a lot of Vol fans. So the reality is this is a this is the equivalent of saying, like, this is the year that Penn State's going to beat Ohio State, right? It happens about once every half decade, right? It's the same for Tennessee over Georgia based on the last 15 years' worth of stuff. Long gone are the days of Phil Fulmar's uh, national championship runs with Peyton Manning and T. Martin. I'm picking Tennessee. They're they're the better offense this year, and Georgia's defense isn't last year's defense, and their offense still kind of is meh. Georgia might have more overall talent. They'll have more guys that play in the NFL when you look at these rosters in five years, but I think Tennessee's the better team right now. So I'm picking the Vols. What about you, Dave? Who are you picking? I'm picking Georgia, but I hope you're right. Georgia will win, but I will be rooting for Tennessee. All right, let's get to some Ohio State football topics. Many. We'll start with some recruiting. Caden McDonald is a Buckeye. We found this out. State of Georgia. Two nights ago. Speaking of the state, exactly. Speaking of the state of Georgia. North Gwinnett. Um, Love it, love it, love it. Swanee, Georgia. Keeps, like, producing. Started with uh, Cameron Hayward and keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. Mm -hmm. Um, That area of Georgia just keeps producing for Ohio State. And many others, but I love that Ohio State taps into that area. But I love this. This is the one tech that we've been waiting for. I feel like even though he's a four-star, that he's like, in my opinion, 
like a little underrated. You look at like his offer list. I love Caden McDonald playing against top competition, already 6'3", 320, 315, whatever, um, as a high school senior. I love it, Bax. They have the number four recruiting class in the country, the Buckeyes do. number. Tw- uh, they have 21 commits now. Caden McDonald is a Buckeye. I love it. See this? See this? This is this. This is how I feel about this. This is the, my favorite recruit in this class. This is what I wanted. I wanted those big Southern D tackles, right? The one thing you can't coach against in college football is the interior of your line getting its face smashed in. We just got a guy who can do that. I absolutely love this. I want two more of this guy, but they're like freaking unicorns. You can't find them, right? So Ohio State just caught a unicorn here. And let me tell you what, that unicorn, it has special magical properties. I am the most excited I've been about an Ohio State recruit in a couple years. This is the guy I wanted. Remember we were talking over the summer where the question was, uh, what's wrong with Ohio State's recruiting defensively? Like Brian Hartline's pulling like five-star receivers like it's video games, right? And then we're like, all right, we got one D lineman and Will Smith Jr. What's going on here? Now we got this guy. This is exactly what Bax in August wanted. This is exactly it. I am so happy that we got this guy because this is what we Jason Moore to go with Will Smith. I'm so far this deep. It went from like, oh man, this this D line class is looking like a wreck to like, ooh, ooh, um, not too shabby. Now we'll never see anything like the 2000. Hopefully we do see something like. Yeah, say don't don't talk too too soon. (laughs) The 2021 Ohio State defensive line class might go down as the best that we've seen. Not at Ohio State, period, for defensive linemen. You're talking about JT Tumulalau coming off the best game that I've ever seen from an Ohio State defensive player. You're talking about Tyler Any Moore, defensive player in uh, college Mike football. Hall Jr. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And then Jack Sawyer is almost like the, like, uh, for He's God the afterthought man, right now, yeah. Um, but for, that's how good that, that foursome is. Yeah. It's unbelievable how good that foursome is. All right. I'd argue none of them have the same skill set, though, not even Tyleek that um, McDonald does, though. It's really hard to teach beef, you know what I mean. And the, this guy has big Hank written all over him, and I, I, I am just giddy about it. This is my favorite recruit in this class. I don't care who else we get. This is the guy I'm the most excited about. All right, let's get to some other stuff here. All right, so Ryan Day is, you know, trying not to say too much about injuries. We'll get to um, JSN in a minute. Let's get with the. Uh, let's start with Mayan Williams. I asked him about Mayan Williams yesterday. And after saying he's not going to comment about injuries, he at least said the good news is it's not serious. That tells me now, now we've heard from like people that are like we're in the know that's like, oh, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's a broken wrist, which I feared it was. Yeah, it was the wrong like way. A dislocate, dislocated finger, maybe a broken finger. Hey, somebody we know named Ezekiel Elliott played the entire 2014 season with the broken bone in, in his hand. And I, I think Zeke played pretty well in the 2014 season. Listen, there's a long list of running backs that have to play with like a club on or like, you know, you know, big rap. So it was great to hear that Mayan Williams from Ryan Day's perspective, it's not serious. But backs, when I put that on Twitter, did you see like, a lot of people were like thrilled? Most like so 90 percent. And then there's the 10 percent that are like, I don't believe it. He's bullshitting. Like, I can't believe anything he says about injuries now after blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, first of all, if you're a football coach, you need to have some you know, some sportsman, you know, some gamesmanship is the word I'm looking for. Some, oh, yeah. You're not going to tell your opponents everything. So, like, but I felt like he was being sincere about mine. Like, if this was, like, a season-ending thing, I think he would have said something. For him to say so blatantly, it's not serious. That was great news yesterday. Yeah, it's got a Belichickian vibe anytime he talks about injuries, right? Except unlike Bill Belichick, he's not required by NFL rules to actually, like, 
give a percentage on whether or not he's going to play, right? Like that's the thing that I think people are differentiating between the two, but there's a very lack of desire to talk about it from Ryan Day. And he's upfront about it. He's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. But I, I will say this. Uh, I agree with you. If it was something we didn't think he'd play, I don't think, you know, let's face it. Like if, if he wasn't, doesn't play the next three weeks, Michigan's going to know it was serious, right? Like uh, the reality is if it's not serious, it was a dislocated finger. If it was a backwards wrist, whatever it was there, that as long as nothing was broken, right? Then a, that's enormous. It's absolutely enormous for Ohio state because of our two tailbacks, he's the one that has a little more um, grit to him right now. Uh, I, I will say that I think some of the running game struggles we had in the first half against Penn, against Penn state might've been a little less obvious with Mayan Williams running people over that touchdown run was one of the biggest man ball runs you'll ever yes. see. It was mm-hmm. like the five yard line and he carried like three defensive linemen with him. Incredible run. Just Even the officials were, were like uh, surprised because they didn't call it a touchdown on the field. I'm like, that's a touchdown. And yeah, they, they were like, there's no way that actually was no, in, no, right? No, no, no. And then we all watched it and we're like, by the way, is that the first time we've ever seen a play overturned by referee view camera? Because it was obvious from like the camera on the ref's hat that he was in the end zone. I love it. Right. That. And they had to piece it together. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. I, I could tell you right now, if he if that's not a serious injury, that's enormous for Ohio State because Trevion, as talented as he is, picks up knocks a little easier, sometimes gets a little happy feet in the hole. And you can see what he can do. He's a home run hitter, right? But Mayan Williams is he's a heart and soul kind of guy and he runs mad. He he might is he our angriest runner since Mo Claret? Because I kind of feel that way about him. You know, can you think of somebody since Mo Claret that's ran that angrily every time he gets the ball, Dave? I think that's a good like every time. Like, there was times Beanie Wells would run mm-hmm. super angry. You're like, yes, sir. Oh, um, Beanie ran not, angry every play with his physical he, gifts. He would have killed consistently, people. I, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> I would agree with that. Um, like when you're talking about somebody just consistent. I mean, Zeke ran angry. Zeke ran angry. Zeke ran angry. I get Zeke, and Zeke blocked angry. Boom Zeke, Heron ran pretty angry, Zeke, too. Zeke but. ran I mean, Dobbins. But Zeke, I'll, I'll give it to Zeke in 2014. And, and even in 2015, like you look at that, that Michigan game, and they had every reason after losing to Michigan State to kind of like not pack it in. Like Zeke goes up to like at Michigan the following week and is just crushing people. There was a play in that game where JT Barrett, Zeke was the lead blocker, and Zeke just took out Jabril Peppers. He and like, kid, took yeah. him like I swear, Jabril Peppers like flied like seven yards in the air. I'm not even joking. And yeah, like, he looked like this. Yeah. And they just blew the hell out of Michigan in 2015. Harbaugh's first game. I mean, it was close, it was like a close game at halftime, and then I'll, I'll say like Zeke, 42 to 10 or something. You're right. It, it was like, yeah, 42, 13 or something like, but like, um, you're right. It was like, uh, yeah, it's a short list of guys that run as violently as mine. Every, yeah. every, he play. runs violently. That's a yes. great way to put it. He I runs will, violently. I, but Zeke, Zeke is up there for sure. Well, Zeke's all right. Zeke, so, is Zeke. he's amazing. So I, the selective, um, reasoning on my part so i believe ryan day what he says about mayan williams that it's not serious I'm a little skeptical about jsn now he was very confident and brian hey, hey and this is another thing so uh, it's important to point out it wasn't just ryan day we talked to brian hartline yesterday too he was also supremely confident and i'm sitting there i feel like my bs meter is pretty good it's not just what they say it's how they say it it's as you're looking at them both of those men backs seemed honestly confident that jackson smith and jigbo will return for the Buckeyes this year. And I say that, I'm like, they both are do- – they're not bullshitting. Like, I'm watching them. I'm like, okay, 
they're not bullshitting. But that being said, I'm still skeptical. Like, like what, what do you make of the JSN situation? Well, the last time we played in the uh, Buckeye Beat Writer poker game, you and I each won one of the two rounds. Yeah, so we, we, sh- we, should be, uh, we should be the ones who can read these guys the best here. Um, I, I, I am a little more skeptical than you on whether they're going to come back. I think they're being a little optimistic. Um, I think they're trying to speak what they want into reality a little bit here. Um, but I've been absolutely pessimistic about everything related to JSN since the initial injury. So I'm maybe a little biased towards my initial take still because I thought I think, it was a- I think we agree then. I don't think we disagree. I, I think you and I agree then. They believe he's going to play skeptical. again. I'm skeptical too. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. wasn't, I'm not skeptical about what they said about Mayan. That's what I mean about selective reasoning. Like, but I am mm-hmm. skeptical about what they said about JSN. I am. Yeah, they, they're very confident that their pair of tens is going to hold up on the river. And I, I, I don't think so. So <laughs> we'll see. JSN is pocket aces, but right now I, I, I don't think he's healthy enough. And I think that they brought him back too early. There was no need. I, I that's, if he doesn't play the rest of the year, I'm going to lament that one. Like, if OSU does anything short of a national championship, that's the thing we're all going to look back on. Not every year we don't win it. There's always something, right? And th- this year's something, if we don't win it, is, God, why did we bring back JSN too early? So we'll see. I'm hoping. I'm hoping he can play again. I just don't believe it. Exactly. I just – if he plays again and he's able to like – it's one thing if he plays again and then two plays in, he gets he gets re-injured. That's not what we're talking about. Is he able to like be like Jackson Smith and Jigba for like – Yeah. In the postseason? He might try again. But Michigan he can, he can be on. the Rose Bowl JSN again or last season regular season JSN again. I hope so, but I, I mean – Mm. Woo, let's hope all right let's get you out of here mm. on this ohio state favored by 38 on the road <laughs> against northwestern this week here's the thing about northwestern under pat fitzgerald like they like as i've talked about like they've been the pattern is patrick murphy and i were talking about this on monday show it's like the patrick like it's like the the pat fitzgerald pattern usually is good bad good bad good bad you know like mm-hmm. you know they played ohio state in the 2018 big 10 championship game then in 2019 they were bad then they played Ohio State in the 2020 Big Ten Championship game. Like, wow, Northwestern, two out of three years winning the West, even though it's the yeah. JV. Still. But the year in between, they went like three and nine. Right, and then last year, they were terrible. And you're thinking, okay, well, here they go again. So 2020, even though it doesn't look good on paper, somehow they're going to be good this year. No, they're worse. This is like the worst team that they've had under Pat Fitzgerald. They're one and seven. Their one win is in the Big Ten, which is kind of funny, against uh, Nebraska in Ireland. But anyway, um, terrible. In August, it barely counts. It bar- it, it, but yeah, I mean, I, but anyway, so this is a game, seriously. Buckeyes need to take care of business, rest the starters, get everybody out of there after halftime, get Dallin Hayden out there playing running back. I want to see some chip train him. I want to see mm-hmm. a lot of backups. Um, Northwestern's terrible. Your thoughts on this game on Saturday? Well, I'm going to read to you some of the recent scores when Ohio State has played Northwestern. So as I have the Stassen uh, historical head-to-head database up here, folks, let me give you some scores here. You take away the two Big Ten championship games um, at uh, Northwestern, 52-3 to in 2019. Uh, at Northwestern, uh, 2008, 45-10. Uh, at Northwestern, 2006, 54-10. Uh, in between that time period, fifty-eight to seven, forty-eight to seven. Say, don't mention twenty. Don't mention two thousand and four to me. I don't want to talk about that game. But by the way, that is the only time Northwestern has beaten Ohio State since nineteen seventy-two. 
In my, yeah, in my lifetime and in your lifetime, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So right. Northwestern stinks this year, and there's no other way to put it. This is – like we always joke about how they're going to win the – Uh-oh. We might have lost backs. But we were near the end of the show anyway. If we missed uh, – if we lost backs, we lost backs. But um, we heard Bax's take on that. He doesn't think Northwestern is very good, and he's right. All right, well, thanks to Bax. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. Thank you very much to the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Sorry we lost him late, uh, but appreciate Bax's knowledge. And uh, appreciate all of you for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day. Bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.